This is I Only Touch Greatness Podcast with Ryan Hayes and Big Mike. We are going live. Ryan Hayes and Big Mike. I Only Touch Greatness Podcast. Cowboy Clint. Hey, boys. How's it going? Hey. Good. It's going good. Thank you so much for taking your time uh, to come on with us today. We really appreciate it. You're not a Vancouver fan by chance. Oh. I, I actually am, unfortunately. Oh, shit. Look at the background. <laughs> <laughs> That's my house. <laughs> oh, it is? You yeah. guys are, both of you are in van then? Yes. So, obviously, you got the cowboy hat on, so I might as well ask the first question is, uh, why did they nickname you the cowboy goalie? Uh, you know, I, growing up, I, you know, I was always had horses, grew up uh, working on a, a cousin's uh, ranch and uh, developed a, just a love for the horses and the outdoors and shoveling horse crap and <laughs> all, all the all the stuff that goes with that so it just uh i think everywhere you know i had i've had horses down there most of my life i think that makes sense then uh where were you when you got drafted to the nordiques in 81 and how did you find out uh, i remember i was uh i was you know hoping to get drafted because i was eligible the year before and missed it i didn't get drafted and i was pretty devastated and uh so then later on uh, the next year, uh, I was waiting in the kitchen and I remember the getting a phone call and it was, uh, I think Maurice Fillion was the GM then in Quebec. And where were you? Edmonton. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So you, you obviously played with Sackett then? Or no. Before? I tell, I, here's a funny story. I tell everybody. Because, you know, my son was, you know, growing up in Joe Sackett and this and that. And I said, you know, I was traded for Joe Sackett. Yeah. Uh, I don't tell. It was like a 10-player deal or, you know, four and three or whatever it was. Dale Hunter and I were the main uh, cogs in Quebec. We got traded to Washington for the first-round draft pick, which ended up being Joe Sackett. So I just say, hey, I was traded for Joe Sackett. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good story. Why do you wear number 30? I was the first uh, jersey. I always preferred number one, uh, you know, traditional goalie number. And 30, I think, is fairly traditional. But when I went to Quebec, that's a jersey that was given to me. And I went, okay. I never changed. Do you think Quebec needs a franchise back? I do. I, I do. Um, it's a great hockey market. I mean, they, they, uh, they really, you know, obviously you got the, the language barrier for players, English players and that but they, they're they're very passionate and if they know uh you know you're in a store or something uh you're in nordique oh my lord they're just uh all over that so they're very passionate about it for sure your days in buffalo you got to play with some real good players i mean lafontaine you had uh, howard chuck mcgillney andrew chuck pierre turgeon rob ray brad may how was that it was good we i think one year uh we were like third in the league in points and uh darren poopa was playing most of the games he had an outstanding year and uh he he was he was on fire and you know we we're near the we we're in the top three for sure overall in points and uh it, it was fun we had uh, we, i mean there we had a lot of great players a lot of great players you got any brad may stories or rob ray we got them coming up on an interview later on this week Okay, I, I, I've seen those guys recently. We had kind of a reunion deal in, in Buffalo. And Razor, I mean, that kid, when he was a rookie, uh, he picked his nose all the time. Like, before, <laughs> working, 
we all have nervous habits, but getting ready for a game, there's Razor. He's just got it buried. And, you know, and I, I brought that up and he goes, oh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Oh, yeah, Razor had his, he, that was his nervous habit. Uh, Mayday uh, with May, uh, you never get any better stories than that guy. He's, uh, he's got every story in the book. Yeah, and he's, he's a class act. He was telling me some stories about, about me and, and this and that. And, you know, we forget. I mean, I'm getting, you know, I'm damn near 60 now. And uh, they're younger than me, of course. But, uh, yeah, we, we traded some stories. And uh, the thing I like uh, about Brad May, you know, he's a really class act, you know, off the ice. He's very polite. He's a very engaging guy. Uh, now in the media, of course, uh, doing what he does in broadcasting. You know, it's right up his alley. And he's good at it. But he's a very uh, sincere guy. Loves history. Um, you know, and you know, here I can barely read and he's telling me all these history stories. <laughs> yeah. Brad May is always good for his story. We, we, we met him a few times over the years and trying to get him on the podcast right now. The, um, he tells a couple good stories about Dominic Hasek. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Dominic was my undoing. Um, I remember they traded, they traded for Hasek and I was going through a bad, uh, some mental health issues, depression, anxiety. My play had really started to decline. And I remember in, uh, in training camp, uh, he, he was, uh, you know, just a great goalie. And, you know, you look at him, he's quick as a cat. And uh, I remember uh, John Muckler, our, our coach at the time, called yep. me in and basically was cutting me. He says, Clint, I still believe you can play. He knew I had some mental health issues and everything, and everybody did. And he says, I, I believe you can still play, but not here. And I went to the minors and, and played in San Diego for a year with under Rick Dudley. And then you lit it up with uh, the Las Vegas Thunder. They retired your jersey as well. You're up in the rafters there. Yeah, you know, that was quite an experience because I got health. My health issues uh, resolved in San Diego. Took a whole, whole year there ago. Um, it was almost a wasted year on the ice. But uh, I came back at the end uh, on medication, doing great, and you know, uh, the next year, Las Vegas was a, uh, a brand new team, and I had to choose between the Canadian Olympic team and going to Las Vegas. Now, I was going through a divorce and had a, a young daughter, and I didn't like the idea of going on the Canadian Olympic team and playing all the time in Europe and all that. And it was a non-Olympic year, so it, so I chose Vegas. I remember my daughter and I driving down there and kind of meeting the, the GM, Bob Strum, and and uh, she was, I don't know, maybe six years old or something. We're driving back and a long, long drive back to Calgary at the time. And, uh, and she really, we, we had fun in Vegas. And, and she said, Dad, I think Vegas is, is the choice. And I said, so do I. And uh, I really got involved in the community there um, because I had, you know, just the divorce going on and I was single and um, trying to uh, fulfill my time off the ice. And, uh, you know, I was on the board of directors of the uh, Nevada Childhood Cancer Foundation and some other uh, charities and, and things like that. And I became very, very uh, uh, popular in Vegas. And uh, so then I ended up being their coach. Uh, I was assistant coach and assistant G GM, and then I was the uh, head coach and assistant GM. And uh, so I had some great uh, success there. Obviously, they retired my uh, – my jersey, they gave me an awesome retirement gift. Uh, it was a high-dollar rope horse. And oh, they, wow. They, yeah, they brought it out on the ice. They put rubber mats in the Zamboni area, brought them out. 
and it was all behind me going on while we're doing you know the talking and all that stuff and I, I remember they said turn around Clint there's your retirement gift and I turned around and, and I knew the horse too he was a he was a good horse because I was team roping at the time and I knew the horse and uh, they knew where to buy it I guess and so it was pretty cool I still have the horse he's 30 I want to say 33 and that's pretty old for a horse that's damn wow old for that's, a, that's an old and, horse and, and he's, he's he's blind as a bat just like me when I played <laughs> <laughs> where where do you where do you stay nowadays I'm in uh, northern Nevada, Lake Tahoe, Reno area. Okay. Uh, it's, it's four seasons. It's nothing like Vegas. Uh, when I left Vegas, I went on to coach up in Idaho for a few years. And then uh, I, I got my uh, certification in horse dentistry and horse chiropractic. And, and from there, uh, you know, I started to come down to this area. I had kind of a circuit. And I got introduced to a few veterinarians. And they, they liked my work. And they said, you know, you should just move here. And it, so I did. And it's, I've been here quite a while now, I don't know, 12, 13 years, I think. It's a beautiful valley. Lake Tahoe's 30 minutes. Uh, Reno's an hour. So on your farm, uh, how many animals do you have? Well, <laughs> I've culled down quite a bit on the horses uh, because with my traveling, you know, I wrote my book and then I've been public speaking. So I travel a lot. And uh you know having all those those horses to feed and i'm gone and a lot of work uh when i'm not here it wasn't fair to my wife so we called down i now just got uh what do i got three horses a couple goats uh a bunch of dogs chickens you know that's uh, that that book how i survived the crease and beyond that's a great read thank you thank you it changed my life uh People ask me, what's your greatest accomplishment? And I have to say, it was my greatest accomplishment writing the book, but it was also the hardest thing I ever did in my life because I you know, opened up a lot of old wounds and um, you know, it, was, it was a hard, hard deal to do. But uh, once it was done and published and got me into public speaking, um, the, you know, mostly military, first responder, PTSD stuff and, and mental health organizations like the CMHA up there. And, um, you know, corporations and that, and it's very, very gratifying to, um, talk about my life and people come up after and they're in tears because it's kind of like the first time they, they heard it so honestly spoken and, and, uh, relatable to a lot of people. Yeah, you were uh, definitely part of the most horrific accident, I think in NHL history. I mean, I wasn't going to really touch on that, but, uh, if you don't mind, yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know if you'd. Mind talking about it at it, all. It, it, it's my claim to fame. <laughs> I wasn't a very good goalie, but everybody remembers me. <laughs> you were a great, you were a great goalie, man. That uh, that incident might not have helped your career, but I mean, oh, that was yeah. I was just a little kid, and I remember we were watching that live, and it was it was it was definitely scary. How do you deal with something like that just straight after the incident? I like, I didn't. That's the thing. It happened so long ago. We didn't. You know, Richard Zednick cut his jugular vein. Yes, yes. I think that was in 2008 or something. Yep. And that, uh, I heard that he had counseling and, and anybody on the team, uh, trainers, uh, coaches, uh, family members. It was, when that happened to me, nothing was, uh, my counseling was our medical trainer, Jim Pizzatelli, who went out and stood in front of the net in our street clothes. And, and it was, this is right fresh after I was trying to come back. And uh, he goes, well, this is where it happened. I said, yep. And we went, boom, <laughs> you know, the way we went. And that was the extent of it. But it really came to bite me in the butt. 
Um, uh, the next year I started to have just horrific nightmares, waking up, sweating and grabbing my neck. And um, again, I couldn't sleep and my play was starting to decline. Obviously, uh, uh, reading your book and stuff, your biggest worry, obviously, is you didn't want to see your mom. Obviously, see that incident. She was watching the game, correct? Yeah, she saw it. She was watching on TV. And uh, everybody goes, wow, you courageous. You got up and skated off the ice. I'm like, no, no, I just, I, I, knew, I thought I was dying and I didn't want mom to see me die on, on, you know, national or on TV. Any yeah. TV. The, um, sorry, everybody nowadays has a bit of mental health issues. What would you say was your, uh, way to say, talk about it? Well, the book certainly got that opened up. You know, I put, I, I, as, as you know, I, I think you, 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 one of you said you read the book, both of you maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very uh, honest read. I mean, I was raw, no bolt, and I told everything. And that opened up a lot of doors for me with the public speaking. But uh, it also opened up a lot of doors for me now um, uh, with what I'm doing, we, I don't know if you're uh, familiar with Mark Pavlich and his story right now. He's kind of in a lockdown mental hospital, played with the Rangers. He was part of Miracle in, when they won the gold. And Barry Beck uh, kind of started this uh, idea and, and Mark's sister. And we are going to start this, uh, well, it's going to be a facility. It's going to be called, it is called The Ranch. And we're going to have a very, we're going to have horse therapy. We're going to have, it's going to be, you know, hopefully uh, my vision is cabins and, and bunkers for players that do struggle or former players that are struggling and military with PTSD and it, all these addiction issues. And as you mentioned, you know, with what's going on in our world right now, I think there's going to be a lot, uh, there, there already has been a spike in, I don't want to say mental illness all the time, but uh, emotional sickness, you know, people losing their, their jobs and maybe going through depression, anxiety, and uh, all these things that maybe they never experienced in their life. Of course, I grew up with all those things, so also, I get Also concussions, too. Like, that's yeah. a whole new thing well, that nobody gave a shit about 10 years ago. And no, now that really affects. I personally have had five concussions, and every one of them have ruined me a little bit. Like, yes. I, I forget things. and Yes. I, I hit my head so hard in Mexico that I've never been the same. I leave the bathroom light on every time now. Like there's little tiny things that yeah. until, I, until I talk about it and until I get to tell people, they don't notice these kind of things that I've noticed about myself since then. Well, and, and, you know, we're, we're really the NHL and that, they, you know, they got the concussion spotters. Uh, when a guy gets hit on the ice, they might say, you know, he's got to come out and go to the quiet room. They call it. And teams do what they do, a baseline in training camp. Uh, it's on a computer, and it's a cognitive-type reading for uh, knowing where they are. And so if they got a concussion, they can look at that. They do the baseline test again, and they can tell if the player's, you know, off or concussed. And, and so they're doing a lot about that. But, you know, we got this, we've had some suicides and some with, with uh, the, the, what they call CTE. Uh, don't yeah. ask the, the formal words, but uh, – <laughs> They're I don't know and, either. They're big and long. And basically, uh, you, it, it causes depression, causes anxiety. And, and some of our players, uh, former players, have died by suicide because of that. You know, I know a couple guys personally that have had their brains donated and comes back, yes, he had CT. Because the only way they can diagnose it is, is after you're dead. 
Yeah, and I, I definitely, I fell and hit my head so hard in Mexico one time that I blacked out and I was flopping around like a fish on the water, out of water having a seizure. And that one just ruined me. I've yeah. never actually fully recovered. I still think about it today, how I leave the lights on, I leave the cupboard doors open by accident. There's little things that you notice that really affect you. And concussions are a real thing. And nowadays people are starting to realize it, but you play with these guys in the eighties and the nineties that if they took a beating, they got told to get back out on the ice. Well, it, we never used the word concussion or it was, you got your bell rung, take, uh, take a shift off or, you know, go, go in the locker room for a few minutes and then come back. You know, there was no protocol or anything. And, and it was just, you got your bell rung. Do you like the <laughs> protocol nowadays? Uh, yeah, I think it's, I think it's needed for sure. I don't know if it's the best protocol. I, there might be other alternatives. I don't know, but what they're doing is good. They're they're protecting players, and now we're seeing so many players that are out for extended time uh, with concussions, and it's you know they they can't stand the bright lights or you know all these symptoms, and players are out for months sometimes. Yes, definitely. I was six yeah. months on mine. Just just, yeah. and I hated everybody around me. I didn't want to see any light. I didn't want to talk to anybody. It bothered me a lot. Which sounds like you had, you know, there's symptoms from a concussion, but that's very similar to what a lot of our, our military and, and hockey and football, whatever, um, PTSD type symptoms. Yes, I, I definitely feel like I had that kind of thing. I, it's scary for me because I had never had a concussion before that that I know of. And this time I really hit my head so hard. And you notice it now, four years later, that certain things have changed. Like even just texting on a text phone, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm missing the letters. Like I'm missing the letters. I'm the same way. And I'm, yeah. get, I, I'm very forgetful. I, I've had several concussions. I don't even know how many. Um, <laughs> I counted my broken noses, not my concussions. And I had 10 broken noses, so. <laughs> wow. I, broke, I broke my beak a couple times, too. <laughs> they don't grow like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, this, this guy's making nose jokes over here. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're not born this way. I mean, no. I, I can turn mine right upside down. There's no oh. cartilage. Yeah, there's cartilage, but it's all mush, I guess. I don't know. It's nice these days, at least with the mental health and that kind of stuff that there's actually people to talk to and, you know, Bell Let's Talk. It's a big thing in hockey right now. And it's great that there's people actually stepping up to the plate to help players. So we don't lose anymore. Cause I mean, obviously ours in Vancouver, our biggest loss so far was Rick Rippin. And yes. to this day, I mean, I love that no guy pound for pound. That's tougher than that guy. I love that kid. He, he was a courageous warrior when he played and um, just a good guy. And I, I that, that one, really hit me hard because he, he's kind of a cowboy kid, uh, Southern Alberta down by Pincher Creek. And I, I, I talked with his mother after he passed and, you know, it, it, it's an, it's a terrible thing, uh, you know, suicide and uh, it doesn't just affect, you know, the person that's dying or dead, but affects the whole family. But the thing is I can speak for, for myself and probably a lot of suicide survivors that I've talked to. We don't really want to die. We want to kill the pain. And that's what I was trying to do. And when I put that gun under my chin and shot it, you know, I, I it was, I didn't leave a note. Yes, I had suicidal thoughts. I, I didn't leave a note. Uh, you know, it was such a random act, an act. And I was drinking self-medicating as well, 
which a lot of people, there's a huge correlation between mental illness and, and uh, addiction. Definitely. You, you say alcohol, a lot of people say marijuana is the gateway drug and stuff, but I feel that alcohol is worse. Well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in that field now. Um, and, and so I know a lot of, uh, PTSD military guys and first response, they use marijuana, it helps them sleep. Um, it, it's, it's, uh, now legal. And, um, yeah, I, I used to think it was a gateway drug too, for maybe, you know, cocaine or hard, you know, meth or something. But I know, I know a lot of people that have used it for a long time as a medicinal, medicinal. And, uh, and I guess if it, it you know, I guess it, it should be treated like any other medicine, really. And where alcohol is also a substance that, you know, uh, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I know all about that, 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 that numbing effect with my PTSD and the nightmare. I mean, it was, I used, I used it. I was, it wasn't like I was partying either. You know, I was drinking at home, getting, trying to get through a day. For you to persevere through that is pretty awesome because I, I would call myself an alcoholic and as it's, I drink to get away from pain also. Right. And some, some people uh, use marijuana and I guess alcohol uh, yeah. because they got chronic physical pain. I know some military guys that uh, they're veterans and they're, they're, you know, they've got some major medic or physical medical issues and they, they need something to get through a day with numb the pain. Yeah, you're you're so strong, man. Talking about this stuff, you're you're a legend. I mean, in that ranch you're opening up, like that's a huge thing. Like that's going to help a lot of people. Well, we're in the we're in the baby steps right now, and I had a call today. They kind of want me to be the president or CEO, and I am not a business guy. But they say, you know, you know about uh, treatment facilities. You know, I've been to more than one, and I have friends that are in that in that field. A couple guys I know that own treatment centers, so I do have resources to try and get this thing you know off the ground and uh built and and we got to find the you know geography wise where's our best place i always thought something like montana you know the mountains and everything but then we got to think about in the winter how do you do the equine therapy in three feet of snow and you know things like that so we're starting to put all these thoughts together and and uh, we've been approved uh, as a nonprofit already we've got that okay from the u.s government and uh, I'm, I'm not sure the ins and outs of it, but we got it. And, uh, so now, uh, we got to do all these other things and, you know, find the funding, which, uh, we've talked about, you know, getting memorabilia and selling it on eBay to help fund. I mean, every team will PR wise, uh, send an autographed Jersey to a, a foundation or a charity. So we've got all these ideas and irons in the fire. You ever talked to Theo Fleury? I saw Theo. Um, uh, Michael Landsberg did a, uh, hosted a deal in Peterborough, Ontario and Theo spoke and I spoke and I think it was Kaylee Wickenheiser spoke and a couple other people. And so, uh, you know, I played against Theo and, and, and that, and, uh, so he was going to the Toronto airport the next day and I needed a ride there. I was just going to take a, a ride anyway. And, and, uh, pro, um, Theo and I, had a great conversation on the way to, uh, to the Toronto airport. It was, I don't know, two, three hours. And, uh, we, we really talked about a lot of, a lot of our, our stories, both of our stories. The, um, I was going to go and change the, change the little mood here a bit. 
Uh, I want to hear the story about uh, your emus stealing the photographer's camera. Oh, geez. I was, you know, I, I, had, I, was, I was playing in Vegas. I had over 100 emus. And the market was good back then for the meat and the oil and, and that. And, uh, oh, yeah, I remember uh, the emus. I, I can't remember exactly that story. But uh, I do remember losing uh, uh, some of them got out. And, you know, they're not the smartest bird. They're like chasing a chicken, really, <laughs> a big chicken. And uh, I, I remember I called one of our reporters and he reminded me this that just about a week ago, he interviewed me and he said, I remember you calling me and said, can you put a blurb in one of your articles saying uh, anybody has uh, emus running around their place, give me a call. And I remember having to uh, go out and saddle my horse and go and try and rope these suckers. And you can't really rope them around the neck. I mean, that's where the rope goes, but you got to get it down over their chest because you'll break their neck right off because it's, you know, three, four Like feet. a long, thin neck, obviously, right? Right. Yeah. Right. That's how I get some of my dates. Roping them? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm trying to make you laugh on your end. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> what, uh, what teammates do you keep in touch with, like on a regular basis, would you say? Uh, you know, I've had a few guys, I can't mention their names and they aren't necessarily teammates. They're former players that are going through, uh, some issues, whether it's mental health or addiction or both. And, uh, Dean Kennedy is a ranch boy. He's got a beautiful ranch in, uh, in, in Pincher Creek area down in Southern Alberta. And, uh, you know, I keep in touch with him a bit. Grant Ledger, uh, again, that reunion I talked about in January in Buffalo, that was pretty cool to see a lot of guys. I believe it. Have you been to a Golden Knights game yet? No, I haven't. I'm not, I'm not uh, very close to Vegas. I'm probably about a seven-hour drive. Oh, wow. Okay. I was hoping they'd, uh, they'd put their American Hockey League team in Reno. Because you're, you're closer to Reno, right? Yeah, I'm only an hour from Reno. Okay, yeah. so yeah, that's where, I, I, that's where I fly out of when I go on my speaking tours. Oh, okay. And, yeah. You, you ever come to Vancouver? Uh, yeah, I've spoken there a few times, yeah. Um, I get up there, you know, it depends. I never know what's going to pop up as far as on the calendar for speaking events. And I work for a speakers bureau in, Can in Canada, and uh, they're the ones that organize them, and, 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 and I just get on a plane, show up, and do my deal. With all these things going on these days, and uh, obviously with uh, COVID and stuff, um, have they opened up like the casinos or anything in Nevada yet? Yeah, they're starting to now. Yeah, yeah, they're uh, slowly, and I think the gyms are open. Things are things are opening up now. They obviously are regulated and uh, with with all the restrictions and everything. But yeah, we got the restaurants popping up now. They're open, and. Uh, uh, I think the casinos are, are open, but they're kind of still pretty strict on, on the rules to keep uh, social distancing and, and all that. Yeah, this guy just spilled his coffee, so give him a second here. <laughs> we try to get a refill on our coffee over here in between our interview. Not a the, problem. Um, so what would you say is your, other than the scary incident, would be your best memory of playing for the – Sabres. Well, I, 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 you know, I had some real emotional times with the Sabres, you know, it's, it's funny, you know, I came back in what, 10 days after my jugular vein and crazy. Uh, yeah. And <clears throat> I, I became a hero there. 
they 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 just admired the you know I the, I epitomized everything that blue collar sports town loved in an athlete like courage, hard work, and gritty, no talent, uh, uh, <laughs> and and coming back quick like that. I mean, I just became like a, a, an icon there, and I, and still to this day. Uh, it's amazing. There's a there's, there's a band called Malarchuk in oh, Buffalo. Really? Oh, really? Right now, after that, too, the, the some guy named one of his racehorses Malarchuk. So I came, I became really kind of a a popular figure there. I couldn't buy a meal in in town, you know, in restaurants and that. I just, um, it was it was quite. Uh, but you know, of course, it that was short lived because that was the beginning of the end of my career and my my mental health with the PTSD that that caused me and I went undiagnosed 20 years before I shot myself and finally got the help I needed well we're glad you got your help cuz uh you got some great stories that's for sure well we all do <laughs> um out of curiosity when uh, people recognize you and ask you for your autograph do you feel like it's a nuisance or do you feel or do you enjoy doing it you know, I, I, I'm still, uh, I still get mail every day, one or two, you know, envelopes. I don't know how they get my address, but it's okay. <laughs> I answer them all. I, or I, I sign them all and send it back. They always send a self-addressed uh, paid envelope for the return. And um, uh, the only time I get really offended, I've had a few times where, uh, well, here's a funny story. We were playing in, in, uh, on the island in New York. and. Uh, this guy, and that's a, a mecca for autographs. And, and the hotel you stay at, all the teams stayed at, it's a walk to the arena. I mean, you walk around, you walk across the big parking lot, basically. And this guy comes up, and he's got a picture of me bleeding out on the ice, you know. And I remember I was walking with the assistant coach, John uh, Torchetti. Not Tortorella, Torchetti. Yeah, I, got, yeah. I got Tortorella stories, too. Uh, Tell those ones after. But... But Torchetti went after him and said, you stupid son of a bitch, you get to do this. So that's the only time. I, I, it's an honor to, to, my mom always taught me, she, she said, you know, be thankful that people want your autograph. So I've always taken that approach. That's awesome. Especially when uh, it's a collector, obviously, not uh, an autograph hound. Uh, yeah, not a kid or something. Yeah, you know, the, when the kids are out there, that's pretty cool, you know. But I know there's a lot of people that make money off your signature. and. But Definitely. Be, I'm kind of an autograph guy, but as you can see, most of mine goes on my wall. Like I, right, I keep, keep all it. my stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're not uh, putting it on eBay and turning. No. It and yeah. I agree with, I agree with you. And yeah. so is everybody we've ever interviewed that they don't like the people that sell the stuff. They want, they, they want to see that everything goes on my yeah. walls. And, uh, John Tortorella, when he was coaching in Vancouver, do you, do you remember the game? I was with the flames. Yeah, and he, and he went to the dressing room. The tunnel. The and I remember I was in the press box. I'm the goalie coach. I come down and I said to our video coach, where is everybody? He goes, look. And I saw on the TV and I went, oh, so I took off out there. You know, I'm a scrappy guy and I'm going to, I'm going to smoke him, you know, Tortorella for doing that. But that the back, but the backstory is that John was an assistant coach when I played in Buffalo. And we developed a good friendship because he liked to work out and I was a workout maniac back then. So we spent a lot of time, everybody would be gone home and we'd still be pounding the weights in the, in the weight room and shooting the crap and getting to know each other. So we became quite friendly. And somebody I remember interviewed me and said, you know, you and John, you know, back and up. And I said, you know what? 
I know John Tortorella and he's a pit bull and he'd be disappointed if I didn't show up. And I, I remember I kind of got in trouble for doing that. Brian, Brian Burke uh, or was our GM and he, he, he told me, you know, you shouldn't have done that and everything. But Brian being a, you know, an old school guy too, next day apologized in front of me and the coaches um, kind of said to them, you guys should have been following Clint's lead. You know, that's our territory. That's our, that's our locker room. And you know. that was a crazy, that was a crazy game. And well, there was like line brawl after line brawl. And then yeah. Tortorella's down there in the, in the tunnel. Well, opening face off was a brawl. Yeah. 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 That wasn't pre-planned though. Well, uh, Bob that's Hartley. A, that's a Canucks fan. <laughs> Bob, Bob Hartley put out uh uh, opening face-off, you know, our fourth liner, Brian McGratton, um, all our tough guys, uh, you know. And so uh, I think Tortorella took – I know he took offense to that. Like, what are you doing? We haven't even dropped the puck, and you're trying to intimidate us. So yeah. question for you, the, co the coaches, when you get the pregame roster, do you look at, okay, they're starting the fourth line. That means we got to start our fourth line. we got to dress our goons. Well, yeah, I think that's that's logical, you know, in a lot of ways. But uh, some some coaches don't want to have that happen, so they just start the first line. Because the message, the message, the message was sent. Yeah. Uh, so to me, uh, I would say if you see the other team dressing your fourth line, would you not want to dress your top line so you can take advantage of the offensive opportunity? Well, exactly. And I think that I think Vancouver. That's what Torch did. I think. I don't think he had his tough guys out there. Yeah, I don't think we had that many tough guys. Maybe our D guys, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know. And, and, I think it was the X that stepped up. I, I had so many mixed emotions about that whole deal because, like I said, I got kind of scolded for trying to get at Tortorella and protect our, our locker room. Did you and, get close to him? Well, Brian McGratton, who's a big man, he, yeah. he, he put his glove right in my face and pulled me back. And... But I, I was kind of disappointed because I looked at the other coaches. I mean, and their way, you know, I, I, I kind of was a little mad that I had to come from the press box through the locker room and, and no, one, no one else was, uh, you Defending know. your players. No one else was defending the players. Yeah. So I, and then I got in trouble for it. I, later on, I said, like, the next day I, I kind of got redeemed. <laughs> but, but yeah, I was, I was, my feelings were hurt. They were definitely hurt. How did you how did you enjoy your coaching days? You know, uh, for the most part, I, I loved it. Um, I had some great guy Luongo. You know, you guys had Luongo. I mean, yeah. I had I had him when he was like 23, 22. And is he the character that he perceived? He, he's, one of, he's one of the greatest guys I know in the game. Uh, very personable, funny, good teammate, a good leader, uh, good student to the game. And, and to my, when I coached him, uh, another guy, Pascal Leclerc, kind of same way. Whatever I say jump, they say how high. They didn't question saying, oh, I had this goalie coach when I was 12. And he said, you know, there was none of that. Because you do get guys like that. I, I've had a couple. Um, I remember this one kid. I won't mention his name, but he was from uh, Czechoslovakia or Czech somewhere over there. And uh, – he he, uh, he 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 just was not buying anything I sold, and his style was. Uh, he, he, we used to call him the claw, the lobster, because he held his hand like this instead of you know like this. 
And, and I tried to correct those things. And his, his uh, rebuttal was always, oh, Hashik, Hashik, Hashik. But Hashik was one of a kind. He well, I finally, well, I finally told the kid, you know, you're not Hashik. Yeah. You know, and Hashik was very coachable, I know, because uh, the goalie coach in Buffalo, a good friend of mine still today, Mitch Korn, um, had Hasek and, and did, you know, one of Vesna or a couple of Vesnas with him, you know? So yeah, they, you know, yeah. But I, I, that, that's hard to coach when they got that, uh, I'm from the Czech and Hasek's from the Czech. So I'm Hasek. No, you're not son. No, <laughs> no, never no, be no, no, nobody's ever Hasek. He never played in, he never played an NHL game. Oh, and of course, there you go. And of course we have meetings. And, you know, as coaches and scouts and, and all those things, end, end of the season meetings, those things, we're all together. And, you know, they, of course, with the goalies, I have the most input on these meetings, on the goalies. And I, I was like, this kid is, get rid of him. Don't re-sign him. He, he, he doesn't want to learn. He's, he's, he's got it all figured out. And, you know, he's not going to improve. Do you find the European players are a little stubborn? compared to like the Western or like Canadians or Americans? Well, I wouldn't say, I don't know if stubborn's the right word. Like I've had some, I had Kiprasov. Kipper, and, and you talk about a funny son of a gun. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, smoked, I smoked cigarettes with Kiprasov outside the bar one time after a Canucks and Calgary game. Yeah. Kipper was a unique guy. Uh, you had to gain his trust. Once, once you're in his, you know, in his bubble kind of thing, he, he, he would open up, he'd laugh. Um, Johan uh, Hedberg, yeah, they, they played in uh, San Jose's farm system in Kentucky when they both came over. And uh, Hedberg told me, he goes, Kipper pretended he couldn't speak English for two years <laughs> because he didn't want the coach to yell at him or talk to him or anything. And yeah. Uh, I, feel like I, the, I feel like a lot of the European players pull that stunt. We got a guy in Vancouver that does that too. Yeah, they, they, they understand. They might not speak it well, but most of them understand because, you know, if they're aspiring hockey players and they're, you know, 17, 18, you know, years old and playing in Finland or Russia or whatever, if their agent is smart, and I, I'm assuming most agents are smart, uh, you know, being in the game like they are, they get them English lessons way before they're even drafted because they, they know they're probably going to go to North America. So I think most of them understand the language pretty good before they go over. You and had Muckler with you too at one point. Johnny Muckler. Yeah. He was yeah. a coach in, uh, in Buffalo when I was there. But so like having that around you and he's uh, a legend too. Muck, Mucks was uh, old school for sure. Uh, very direct, uh, very honest, very fair. I, I, I like John. A lot of people are intimida intimidated by him because he's, you know, old school toughness. But I loved him. I, I, I really did. The yeah. era you uh, played in well, as well, you played against the best players of all time. I mean, with Gretzky and Lemieux and Eisenman, those guys, like how was it playing against them? Well, I always tell a story about Gretzky. You know, he wasn't very good. Uh, he owes all his success to me because he would light me up every time and got all that confident. <laughs> I think every record he ever set was against the Canucks, believe it or not. You look yeah. it up, it's like, most points, Canucks, this last game. Most yeah. goals, Canucks. 802 against the Canucks. 
St. Louis Blue, he had a he had like a hat trick, I believe it was a hat trick. It might have been five points, but right. but you know he was phenomenal. I mean, one of the best, if not the best, in my mind. And the guys I played against, I mean, I didn't play against Gordy Howe. Maybe I did in Hartford. He might have been with the boys. I'm not sure, but anyway, when he came back, right? Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, but Gretzky, you know. They call him a whiner and this and that. And I got invited to his golf tournament in Edmonton one time. And being dumb, uh, the hotel was downtown Edmonton, but the golf course was outside of Edmonton. And I didn't know that you take your, your clothes for the banquet after and change after golf to your clothes. <laughs> and I, so I was like, oh, damn. You know, and, and Gretz was like, here, take, take my uh, Mercedes and go get your clothes. And, you know, and I didn't know him very well, you know, hardly at all. And I remember after that golf tournament too, I played, I played and coached either played or coached with Brent, his brother or Keith, Keith, I played with, I know. And, uh, but I remember after the golf tournament, it was me, Gretzky, Wayne and Keith, and I think Brent and maybe a couple other guys. And we were in this limo and we went back into Edmonton and we, we pulled into McDonald's <laughs> in a limo. Wayne Gretzky. And then we went to, we, he had a party. Did he buy at least? Huh? Did he buy at least? Oh yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember there was, there was some movie stars at that deal too. And Wayne had a, a, a party in his penthouse in downtown Edmonton. And there was a baby grand piano in there. And I remember these, these, this one Hollywood guy, he was a soap opera guy and he's got on the piano. We just all chilled and hung out and tried to sing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. He's a class act. Wayne's a good guy. He is. Yeah. He, um, he's, he's, he's big into his winery now and he's just opening one up in the Okanagan right now. So I'm pretty excited about that. He's a big baseball guy too. His son, uh, Texas I, Rangers. Yeah. Yeah. Got, uh, I think it was Ty got drafted. Is that his kid's name? Right? Yeah. Ty. Ty Gretzky got drafted to the Texas Rangers. Yeah, and his daughter, Paula, married a pro golfer. Dustin Johnson. She's gorgeous, obviously, but the uh, Dustin like Johnson's a hell of a good golf player, too. She's gorgeous like you. Oh, look at me. I'm, I'm the face of the franchise. I got to carry this guy. Yeah, right? That's what happens when you play uh, beer league, Division 10. I mean, I, I laid the penalties in – all of the 10 divisions in my beer league league. I, I'm a young Theo Fleury. I always grew up wanting to be Theo Fleury. I'm now Brad Marchand type. Or, <laughs> well, you I'm got like, the schnoz. Yeah, I got the schnoz. I'm five feet tall, and I like to hack and whack, and I hope <laughs> that people piss – I piss people off so they want to kick my ass. I hope to, I hope you're not licking their faces, though. No, I don't do that shit. I'm a germaphobe. I don't like to lick my face. <laughs> uh, I'll my hands. I'm the same way. I got OCD, right? You know. Yeah, so. me too. Me oh, too. you do. Maybe, maybe that came from hitting my head, but maybe maybe that caused their noses to grow. I <laughs> could be. I got the beak for sure. He's not. Uh, he's not one of those uh, burrows biters either. Not biting people's fingers. Yeah. Right. There's some weird stuff that happens. It's pretty funny. Well, you know, the game's intense. And uh, do you have any weird stories of like something weird that happened on the ice that you shouldn't? That shouldn't have happened. I had one guy that really offended me, and, and, and he's a coach now in, in the in the NHL. And I heard, 
and I know he's a really good guy, but he spit spit in my face one time. Oh, you know, we're, and that to me is being a gerbaful of OCD. I was just, oh, you sure got under my skin, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's nasty. Did you ever have a player that uh, you just hated, like someone that would just crash the crease and always be spraying ice in your eyes? Anyone like that? Now, there was a few. Uh, a guy like that, uh, you know, when I was playing in Vegas, uh, I had Darcy Lowen. And Darcy uh, and I played in Buffalo together. And when I, my first practice back, uh, you know, I'm kind of, you know, fear, fearing, you know, the, the, the guys coming at me. And Darcy has one speed, fast. And he always crashes the crease, even in practice. He's a competitor. And he, I remember him bearing down on me like it was a three-on-two in practice. And, and uh, I remember I, I almost pooped my pants, you know. And, but uh, later on, I had Darcy uh, uh, in Vegas, and we were playing together. And uh, he, he was he's a, he, so I, he'd look at me in, in between periods. If the other goalie was on fire, and, you know, he'd look at me, and I'd go give him the, the nod and the wink. Well, the first shift, his first shift of the game, that puck went anywhere near that goalie. He'd put the goalie through the 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 net, hit the boards. I mean, he he, he was a, and then he was my player assistant coach when I was the head coach in Idaho. And uh, yeah, so Darcy's a, he, he's down in Vegas now. He's a fire chief. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Clint, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, man. Like, we really, really appreciate it. And growing up, I mean, we loved watching you. It was, it was a good time always, um, obviously, other than the scary incident. Um, we loved watching you. We're huge fans of yours. And uh, we wish you best of luck with this ranch going forward. Yeah, thank you. That'd be awesome. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us. And I appreciate it. even – we were busting my ass about the nose jokes. But, wait, hey, that's part of the thing. Hey, the, the, you know what I've learned through – Ugly, you know, not beautiful. Hockey's got some uh, beautiful, you know, uh, camaraderie, and and most of it comes from making fun of each other. Oh, and definitely. Your, and yourself. It's the locker room talk when you can shoot the shit with the boys and they can chirp you, and you're okay with it, and that makes you a good person. Don't show that you don't like something. Oh, definitely, I don't Just, show that stuff. Yeah, and same with the I do a lot with wounded warriors now. That gallows humor. And, you know, they make fun of guys with one arm. They call them lefty when it's right arm, you know, just, <laughs> you know, just, and, and it, it, it's great because uh, they all have PTSD. I, I do the hockey part of it and uh, I coach them. And I'm just like, wow, these guys are ruthless just like we are. And That's the way fun. it should be. We, if we're not busting, if you're not, not busting chops, you're good friends. And right, right. That's the, Right. Um, I expect my good friends to be busting my chops and it's, it, it makes for a good friendship. Yeah. Yep. Thank you for coming on. And anyone that's listening right now, if you haven't read the book, I've survived in the crease and beyond, I highly suggest reading it guys. Oh, the, the crazy game, how I survived the crease. And yes. Yeah. Main title is the crazy game. So one of the questions I get asked is, you know, Steve Tuttle was the guy's skate that cut my jugular vein. And they always say, did you ever talk to Steve Tuttle? after you know that incident and i said uh well what happened was i heard he was struggling with the incident too so i reached out to him and said hey i know it's an accident uh you know i know you didn't kick me i you know i was you know saying I, and he was having nightmares as i i was is what i heard so anyways we're playing next time we played st louis and 
uh, I'm still with Buffalo and we're skating around in warm-ups and I remember skating by him and I said, Hey Tuttle, you're a cutthroat motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was Yui Krupp and uh, Tuttle, right? That crashed yeah. the net at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah, that was funny. And he looked at me kind of with that wry grin, like right on brother. I, I know what you're, you're just. You're uh, a great sport, Clint, because obviously that, you know that uh, that was obviously an accident and that's oh, a yeah. great sport. But that comic relief and that gallows humor that we have, you know, Jesus, you're a cutthroat prick. You know? That's a good one. Did Tuttle reach out to you at all? Like right after the incident happened? No, no, no. This was, this was a little bit after. Okay. Okay. What's the title of your podcast? I only touch greatness. Wow. That's why we got you on because you're, we only interviewed the best. Can you guys still see me? Yeah. yeah. Hey, we got oh. Dustin Pogey joining right now. Okay. You ready? Clint? Yeah. Hello. Hey, Justin Pogey. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Clint. So, you know, Justin Pogey. Well, I don't know him personally, but I know who he is and I know his career and, um, you know, Toronto and all, especially with my brother there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There he is. Boy. What's going oh, on, welcome Clint? To the, welcome to the show, Justin Pogey. Uh, we got Clint Malarchuk here with you. What is this, Movember again? No, no, this is a year-round thing. Should I go grab my cowboy hat? I got a <laughs> I got a Stetson in the garage, you know. It's Clint? my summer hat out here in the desert. How Where are you doing, are you? Clint? Good, I'm good. Where are you? Uh La Quinta, California. So uh, right by that new American League team in Palm Springs. Oh, shoot. I was down there. I did a, a PTSD deal down there in, in Palm, Palm Desert. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah, that's just down the road from me. And yeah. we bought a vacation house here. So uh, nice. enjoying the 100-plus the, uh, degree weather every day. What, yeah. What, what have you been doing? I, you know, I kind of lost track of you. Fill me in. Oh, I went, I went over to Europe. Uh, I knew, I knew you went to Europe. Eight years. Kind of been all over, starting it. Yeah, I had six years in the minors, and you know, uh, just needed a change. It was kind of getting repetitive, and sometimes yeah. you get feeling like a piece of meat. Sometimes, and you just moved for no reason. Right. Right. But, uh, yep. Went over. It was the lockout year, so I knew I wanted to play some games and not, uh, you know, battle in the East Coast with whoever was coming down. So yeah, I uh, went over to Italy to kind of get my foot in the water, oh, and nice. then slowly moved my way up into into sweden and you're in the khl and a few more years back in the shl and then uh last year ended up in the dl with berlin oh nice yeah it was, um, it, was uh, it was awesome where were you in the k uh bratislava was it, good, was it good or bad uh, i was hit and miss it was a beautiful city had the potential to be so much fun and and everything but uh you know, it's, I, it was I, tough I, to get paid. I, I can't remember who I was talking to. I was at one of the uh, alumni association meetings and he, he ended up in the K and uh, remember Michael Layton? Yeah. Oh yeah. I know Michael Layton. I, I still have his actually hockey, his hockey bag from uh, Carolina. That's the reason why I were 49. I had his hockey bag that had 49 and I, I, I bring it over. I can't remember this guy's name. Uh, he wasn't real well known, but a super nice guy. It'll come to me at 3 a.m. <laughs> and uh, uh, he was saying that they were playing a team in the K and they were in a bar and they see Michael Layton there and they're going, oh, yeah. what's going on? He goes, I'm stuck. 
they they cut me or or dropped me or whatever, and they left me on the road, on a road trip, and he's 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 trying to find his way in Russia back to get his stuff and come back to North America. So I've heard uh, some I've heard some good stories, and yeah. I've heard some ridiculously you know crazy. Mine, I I have some stories, but I mean they weren't that bad. I mean I wasn't left. I've heard of guys leaving their hotel because. Uh, Every time they'd walk past the front desk, they'd be on the phone to the team, letting them know what was going on. But uh, wow. I had one guy, he, he just left. He didn't, he left all his hockey equipment, just like, I'm out of here. Took as much money as he could out of the bank and left. One of the smartest stories of coaching, trying to catch players after curfew, I, I believe it was Scotty Bowman. Um, he gave a, he brought a pennant for the, the night clerk. Yeah. And said, here, I want you to get anybody's, Sick, and the, the, this person started at like midnight. Oh so he, no! Yeah, that's a good call. Said, Any players come in, just get them to sign this, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so he knew curfew was at eleven, and this guy started at midnight or whatever. And so any signature that was on there was after curfew. That's a oh, good one. Maybe goodness. that's why Scotty's the best in the business. That, that's a good. That's a good. That's a smart. That somebody's thinking there. Yeah, you don't want to be doing that too often, though. <laughs> no, no, guys catch on. Stevie hey, Y gets in there and says, uh, "Yeah, I think that's enough." Hey, Pokey, we, we, uh, yeah. one of the best games I've, oh, one of the best tournaments I've ever seen was the Canada World Juniors in 2006. Obviously, when you guys won gold, and you, uh, you definitely took us to that game, and you, you killed it for us. I mean, uh, that was probably the biggest thing, uh, biggest accomplishment in your career. Uh, it's definitely one of the most accomplished, definitely most memorable. Um, yeah, it was uh, it was such a crazy feeling that that day, and you know we played unbelievable too. And I had some lucky bounces, and you know the no goal and everything. So it was uh, like everything was going the right way, and uh, yeah, the whole tournament was an absolute blast. And you know, always have those memories for sure. Just okay. putting that down, red and white on must mean a lot. Just right there. Oh yeah, where are, where are you going? Where are you going next year, folks? Uh, I'm, I'm somewhere in Germany. I don't want to disclose it until it's, you know, the ink is dry. I've, I've learned over the years that don't do you that. can't take nothing for granted. So you, you have to well, wait till the contract sign and you're well, over how, there. How so. old are you now? Uh, 34. I just turned 34. Yeah, still, so got, get, still yeah. got a few years left. Yeah. 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 That's good. You have, you have a favorite player you ever played with, Pogi? Oh, I've had so many. Uh, you know, oh, usually three, there's right? one guy a year. Top three, top three players I've ever played with. Best defenseman, Scott Niedermeyer. I mean, I just got to practice with him and watch him from the bench, but the best ever, I think. Um, I think forwards, oh, there's so many. Uh, one of the purest goal scorers that I, I got to play with, that I, I put two together, Jonathan Chichu and Timo Solani. Nice. Nice. I played with Cheech in the KHL and got to spend like a whole year with him. And that guy, if he wanted to, he's going to get it in. And it'd be some wonky way, but it'd get in. He'd hey, I've been trying to get an interview out of Chichu. It's... Yeah, that's, he's a tough guy to get a hold of. He's a pretty oh, excited I, guy. So. I know. That guy, the uh, Timur Solani, did you let him score or just make him to pump up his, pump up his uh, ego? No, never. We, it was always a battle. He would always play three puck at the end of the end of practice, and I was the third goalie or you know the backup, so I always stayed out late. 
and uh, I made him be Juice Boy a few times, and oh, uh, nice. he loved it. He loved the challenge, but nice. yeah, that guy is a legend. You guys know what Juice Boy is, do you? I do. Oh, yeah. I think that's the third guy off the ice. The last guy has got to clean up the water balls. Well, yeah, well, if the last guy that last guy to score has to make uh, Gatorades for all the boys or whatever they say, and it, it has evolved into Jean Jacket Boy, Mustache Boy, Tanner Boy, uh, Bleach Blonde Hair Boy. Uh, we did one in Portland. We bought an old, old bad bad suit from a vintage store and uh, <laughs> made our rookie wear it. And we would drive around Portland, Maine's not very big, and where we lived was Old Georgia Beach, which is even smaller. So we'd see him at the bank or out getting groceries. And if he wasn't wearing the suit, he's a rookie. So it was like double. You'd get, <laughs> you'd get a little fine for not wearing the suit. That's a great one. Wear it for a whole month. Oh, yeah, it was awesome. I've never heard that one. That is good. And I've heard a few. We had a guy, uh, uh, and he played in Vancouver. Um, oh, shoot. Uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, shoot. Holy. Uh, Cox, what's uh Oh, Craig Cox. Craig Cox. Craig Cox. Craig Cox. I played with He's a tough customer. Oh, yeah. I played with him in Fredericton. And we were going to, back in the day when you hazed, you know, you shaved their nuts and their body. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we had him on the trainer's table. And we tied a, a, a skate lace around his dink. Because <laughs> 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 no one wants to touch it, really, you know. So you, And then we had it over. It, it, there was a pipe up there. And now, what kind of knot did you use? I don't. I don't know. I didn't tie it. Double, double hitch. Or but it, or? it got so tight that we the skin you couldn't even see it around his the skin at all. Oh. So we had, he had to go to the hospital to get it. <laughs> this is these are the reasons why we can't haze anymore. The story. Yeah, like this. Definitely. <laughs> that's uh, that's his nickname actually. Is Haze Entertainment. I'm Haze Entertainment, by the way, and. Are we editing that question out? Because I would love to keep that one. I don't even know how that process works, but that's a hell of a story. Uh, I, would, I wouldn't use that one because... Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but no, I, I tell that. you what, Coxie was the greatest guy. He, he's, I think he's from California. Back before oh, yeah. there were any California players or anything. And yeah, he's an American yeah. boy for sure. He's still and in contact. I'd love to ask him about this dick question. <laughs> you, you can ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> but... but Oh, he's such a he, he was such a Californian surfer dude. He was Spicoli. Okay. I guess he's asking yeah. for his nose to be rearranged again. Yeah, fuck. Hey, they're making he's making nose jokes just because I got a big nose like Marshawn. Well, I make I make nose jokes because I got the pretty bad schnoz myself. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> that's beautiful in the certain girls' eyes. Yeah, especially when you can turn it upside down in a bar. Hey. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's kind of endearing in some sick way. Yeah. Hey, hey Pose, who's a goalie you looked up to uh, back in the day? Oh, everyone that was above me. Uh, I don't know. I had uh, Curtis Joseph was one of my favorites, Roberto right. Luongo. I had, a, I had a World Junior jersey when he uh, – they didn't win, but it was in Halifax or, or Moncton or – I can't remember where it was. Yeah, Clint actually, Clint actually coached him. That was a story on earlier about yeah. Luongo. Yeah, Clint yeah, brought up both of them. He was yeah. my favorite. I had his Team Canada World Junior jersey. I got it for my birthday. And then, you know, later down the line, I have my own. So it was, uh, it was pretty cool. Never, yeah. ever. I, I, I saw Lou. him in the airport once. but never met him. Uh, are you talking Luongo? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, great guy. Just a class act. And, um, you know, Curtis Joseph. Uh, he came down uh, when I was coaching in Las Vegas in the IHL. 
and uh, I, I think he was coming down. He was in a contract dispute, I think it was, and came down to play some games. And and uh, I remember he was just a class, just a really super nice guy. And and you know, just I, I he, you ever get a chance to meet that guy or talk to him? He's he's a class. He's guy. the nicest human being possible. Yeah. Bobby Lee. And then you you hear his backstory. Yeah. That just came out. Basically, uh, he wrote a book. I mean, yep. he, yep. he went his autobiography. But he was such. No, a, he's probably one of the funniest guys out there too. Oh, uh, yeah. Curtis Joseph. No, uh, Luongo. Oh, Lou. Yeah, Strombone. He's hilarious. But uh, Curtis Joseph. Uh, I mean, he's the man. He's. Uh, I remember him asking me in Toronto. He was. He was backing up my first ever NHL game. So I, my first NHL game that I ever watched, he was playing in Edmonton. And then my I, first NHL game being played, he's. He's my backup goalie. I actually but, uh, have a Curtis Joseph autograph. I, I was down in Chicago at the United Center watching a Chicago game versus the Maple Leafs with my uncle from Chicago. And Curtis Joseph took the time to actually stop as he was walking off after warm-ups to sign me a little autograph. It doesn't mean shit to him, but to yeah. me, I've always – Curtis Joseph just stands out as, like, the nicest guy. We don't, yeah, we don't really understand that uh, – I guess speaking for myself, how much some of those things mean to it fans. does. It you does. Yep. We just we do so many, and it's like yeah, yeah. Here you go, whatever. You know. But some kids going home, and that yeah. kid's gonna put that on his wall. He's gonna stare at it every day when he goes to bed. Like, yeah. I had a I had a story uh, when I was playing in between the periods um, at a Flames game. We we got to see the the flames come out, and that's when Rick Tabaracci was their goalie. And yeah, yeah, he was my favorite. I was living in Calgary. He was my favorite goalie. Him and Trevor Kidd, I loved them, you know. And we're standing there, and I wanted to get a high five, and uh, he didn't give me a high five. I and I just that my thoughts on him turned for the rest of the time. I said, if I ever have a chance, I'm going to give every kid a high five. Yeah, at least. Good. At least show them some appreciation, you know. Oh, 100 like, percent. And, and just the little people it, like us, we appreciate that shit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in in Europe, it's a different pro structure. So, I mean, the kids are growing up in that system. So, you know, their their ice times are later on in the day at that rink. So, some days I'll I've done it in pregame skate where the kids were on after us, you know, and I'd stayed out, did did breakaways with the kids for you know five ten minutes while they're skating around, you know. It's just that means so much to oh, these yeah. little, these young guys, and just just to say like, oh yeah, I scored on him, or I shot, I shot it on him, he, he robbed me, or whatever, you know, like you had some fun, and it, I think that's that's something North America could pull. It is just closing that gap between players and actual kids playing the game. Right. Yeah, kids are big kids like us. I mean, we uh, we definitely collect uh, sports memorabilia. Like, look at my walls. We're uh, yeah. we're definitely not the type uh, to sell our stuff. We're we're collectors, and it means a lot to us when you guys do take your time to have that three four minutes with you guys and ask you a question, and you have signed something for us, and then we hang it on our wall. I mean, that means a lot to us. It, it means a lot to fans. I mean, we're season ticket holders of Canucks, and that's a huge thing for us. When I was yep, playing sure. in the, when I was playing in Vegas um, before I got the into the coaching part of it, um, uh, my goal. Tending partner this one couple of years, maybe one year, I'm not sure, I can't remember, was uh, Pokey Reddick. And, mm. and and we brought in uh, Mano Riom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been trying to get her on for an interview. <laughs> oh, jeez. And now you you know what it's like, uh, Pogues, when you got three goalies and trying two nets? 
Oh yeah, I've been, I've been on the short end of that stick a few times being yeah. the new guy. Or <laughs> and, now we, and now now we know this is just a you know kind of a PR deal, you know, and it's it's yeah. effect, it's affecting me and Pokey. Yeah, you know, we're not getting. And we were told you got to share the net and do, you know, oh my god. Yeah, yeah. But I I remember they played her, uh, and we kind of got a giggle because she got burned pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, it happens. It happens to anyone. But uh, yeah, I know what it feels like to be that third, third guy or you're in the net and you're like, should I let the young guy in? I'll let him do the three on O's. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, do, yeah exactly. I'll do the power play. He can do the yeah. five on three. I'll do five on four. You do five on three. <laughs> you're getting some power play time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, where, uh, when do you go back to Europe? Usually August, I think, eh? Yeah, but this this season's you know it's been such a mess. We we got told right before playoffs were starting, so we got to finish our season. Yeah. But then the playoffs were just washed out, and uh, so now we're we're there's Europe European countries and Germany is going through their you know phases of opening up, and um, I mean they're playing matches soccer matches with empty stadiums right now, but they're starting to warm up. They're they closed down right away, like they were ahead of. Uh, North America by so much because they close all their borders off and, and everything. Um, but it should look like be there in August, maybe September. Yeah. In October or November start. But do you have so, kids? Yeah, I've got a I've got a little boy. Is he in school yet or no? No, no, no. He's uh he's two so and a half. Two two uh two years and five months. Yeah, so it's not a big deal with schooling and all that stuff. No, no, he, he loves he loves traveling, being over there. Like our European life is so awesome we get home we miss home but then we're home for a while and we miss the european really? it's just so oh really? so laid back and the only thing i miss is uh i mean obviously the weather in my my truck so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we've got another professional uh hockey player coming up then hey uh yeah he's got uh, i've got a video that one one day i'm going to put out there on instagram but uh, he gets me the nuts so good and then goes for three more shots <laughs> got a slap shot since he was like eight months old and it, he's got a golf swing it's he's a lefty though golf and and hockey i'm okay with hockey i want him to be right-handed but yeah, i was left-handed you know we share sticks but golf clubs i mean he's really throwing a throwing me under the under the train for uh not being able to get new clubs i have to get him his own set of lefties you know, is he going to be a goalie just, or a forward? Hell no, he's not going to be a goalie. But do you ever <laughs> let your kids be a goalie? No. That costs a lot of money to be a goalie. I wouldn't put him through that stress. Oh, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, folks, who was your uh, biggest influence in your life, in your career? Uh, you know, I've, I've had a lot of coaches and a lot of friends and family along the way. I, I couldn't put it down on, on just one. I mean, my wife, Christina, has been through thick and thin with me, uh, you know, my last couple of years in the minors and then traveling to Europe on a, on a whim and, you know, we've set up a pretty good life. So I think she's, uh, she's definitely the rock that's propelled the second, second chapter in my career. And, um, it's been going great for me. Uh, it's, it's tough sometimes free agency and it's not as fun as it used to be when you'd be like, Oh, we're going to move to a new place where now we kind of, well, if we could get two, three years in one place, it'd be great. You know, it's um, always good when you but, got support from the better half, obviously. Oh yeah, she's she takes care of everything. She's the CEO. I just uh, the figurehead. So oh, he knows yeah, she's what the it is. I have money in my uh, my account. And, yeah, he yeah. knows what it is. He's uh, married. I'm the only single guy around here. So this guy's married. We got our 
she's writing out questions for you right now just because Mike's standing over here. <laughs> yeah, you so got clean up at the bar, son. You're cleaning up at the Roxy. Oh, I love the Roxy. <laughs> I, I smoked with Kippersoff and uh, um, Dion Phaneuf. They actually smoked cigarettes. We were smoking at the Roxy one time. <laughs> Shane O'Brien loved the Roxy too. What's that? I said Shane O'Brien loves the Roxy too. Yeah. Uh, he never I, left the Roxy. Yeah, he might still. I think he's down in L.A., but I think he's still got a piece of that place. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want I, I want sponsorship now from to be on my show. You were promoting the Roxy. <laughs> yeah. No free ads, right? Yeah, there's no free ads on Hayes Entertainment TV and I Only Touch Greatness podcast. Perfect. Um, so we gotta wrap this up, but I'd love to thank you guys for coming along. And uh, this has been pretty awesome. Clint, you've been here for an hour and a half, so we appreciate you taking the time out of your day to do this. No, my horses are pissed off. That's oh, all. Oh, I know. They're going to be mad as shit. And Pogues, uh, Clint's got a podcast coming up, too. He's doing with an, uh, another buddy of his, Chuck Thuss, and I uh, highly suggest you go on his podcast as well. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm new to this podcast game, but I like it. Which, uh, this uh, is my first on Zoom call. Pogues, we've, all played, we've all played sports. We all have fucking stories that happen in the dressing room or those rookie parties or – yeah. Guy streak in the street after rookie parties and I, that kind of shit. I lead the league in penalty minutes. I'm like five feet tall and I just throw my body around like I'm Theo Fleury, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, that's one way like to do it. Bogues, you know Garth, my brother? You know what? I, I want to say I have met him, but just in yeah. passing. I, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've met him, but uh, in He's passing. I've heard stories about the two, uh, yeah. both of you guys. So I've, oh. I've had that. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Me? <laughs> probably more about your brother but uh no, i'd like to hear him hey let's, <laughs> hey, let's go we'll push yeah. hey, they, were, they, they were a long time they were a long time ago but uh just, so just, just many so many could, pucks to the head from that from that just, just so i could say yay or nay you know <laughs> we're not any not, we're not any rush guys so if you guys want to fucking but, tell stories let's do this you, you know oh, how i don't have any stories maybe it was your brother was he was he down in syracuse coaching no no that's me that's me that was you yeah uh, you had my uh goalie partner adam monroe oh I, he's a good guy money money yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he was uh yeah one of the buttes yeah just uh he was he wasn't that professional hockey goalie mentality but like he was a hell of a goalie you know yeah. he was um, a free spirit love the guy I, I was telling a story about coaching and uh it was syracuse i had i didn't name a name and I had a goalie, and he's from the you know Czech Republic, and he held his hand like we we called him the lobster because it, it just the the lobster, oh. the claw the up front, yeah. Oh God! And you know, anytime I tried to teach him anything, and you know, ah, I'm from Czech, Hasik from Czech, so <laughs> he, you know, I told these guys that story, and I was like. You're not Hashik, man. You're not even close. <laughs> Come on, work with me a little bit. Yeah, let's try to. So, it's a little give and take, you know. He just had it in his head that he was from the same area that Hashik was, so he was going to be the next one. Yeah, yeah. No matter what. Never played yeah. a game in the NHL, though. Nope, he didn't. Not even close. Fuck, he couldn't play. Couldn't play in the American League. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. I love the honesty. <laughs> well, hey, well, everyone, to cruise up to Gardnerville, Nevada. Come up, Pope. Is that where you're at right now? Yeah, up by Carson Nevada, City. Huh? Yep, uh, Lake Tahoe area. Yeah, I've been meaning to get up there. Uh, well, I really you... want to explore Tahoe and all that stuff. I, yeah, well, actually, we were supposed to go. Uh, yeah, we were supposed to go houseboating up there, but um, this whole thing happened with with the family going. And uh, yeah, but yeah. if I'm up in that area, I'll definitely uh, let's yeah. uh, exchange information on email. And I got a million questions to ask you about uh, everything. So um, really? maybe we can catch up later. Well, I'm I'm here for you. Any, and yeah, anytime. he's starting his own podcast too. So I mean, that's a great way to advertise is getting Justin Pogi on there, Clint. Um, yeah, uh, Pogues, I am about. My wife is a, a power skating, figure skating coach, and okay. They have a rink up at Tahoe, so she drives 30, 35 minutes up up the mountain, and we're on the Nevada side of, of uh, Lake Tahoe. So yeah, yeah, beautiful, beautiful area, beautiful valley. I got Perfect. horses. I got horses. Your boy would probably be in heaven. Oh yeah, so would I. I grew up on horses. I'm I'm okay. an Albertan at heart. There you go. Are you yeah. still Alberta doing the dentistry for the horses, Clint? What's that? Are you still doing the dentistry for the horses? Yeah, still? yeah. yeah. Dentist, dentistry and, and chiropractic. Um, wow. Yeah, uh, because all my public speaking has been kind of uh, done. Uh, hey, Pogues, uh, did you ever read my book? I didn't. I would love to, though. I read every as much as I can. I talk I a, a lot, lot of time on buses and, and planes. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll send you one. Give me your address, and, and I'll, I'll email you. Uh, Perfect. Hey, yeah. Clint, uh, you don't put your hand up the fucking horse's ass like Dr. Pohl, do you? Um, I do cattle that way. We preg test. Pregnant. Okay. Test. Fair enough. Are we Sometimes you got to get up there with the chain to pull it out. I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, not, he's not kidding. And, I've been uh, there before. That is a sight. Sometimes <laughs> if I get a, a horse that's colicky, you got to yeah. go up there and pull the shit out. Oh. Because they're, well, they're blocked. and Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, I do do that. <laughs> and it doesn't bother me one bit. I, and I can tell Pogues it doesn't bother him, but a lot of people that, you know, didn't grow up around this stuff, they're like, mm, I'm well, sure. you got to do what you got to do. You got to save their horses are expensive. Yeah. I'm a huge country music fan, definitely, but uh, I've never done that. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, that and branding. I enjoy branding more than birthing, than calving. Yeah. Branding uh, was fun. Yeah, branding's fun. Uh, castrating, you know, branding them, dehorning them. I was them. the I was the holder guy. We had a two man team, probably 12, 13 years old. Get on the neck of that thing, start twisting its snout so it hangs yeah. out. And as a hockey player, it was it was a fun way to get some yeah. aggression out. That's for sure. It sure stinks though when you put that brand on there. Burning, oh yeah, burning high yeah. like that. But yeah, I do that uh, quite a bit. Um, I do a lot of the the ranch stuff not not necessary at my place i'm it's part of my occupation i work with uh, yeah. several several veterinarians and they they love it when i'm available because uh i i love getting in there getting dirty I, i'm pretty good roper so a lot of times i'm the healer you know drag mm -hmm. him drag him to the fire you got any buckles hell yeah i got a buckle here you got, oh, your, here. Uh, you got here your championship go. buckle there's one that I'm wearing today. I don't even know nice. which one. That's a fucking nice buckle. Can you nice. read that? Yeah. 
Crystal Creek Rodeo Champ, 1996, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the original buckle, I had to get this one remade because uh, when I got arrested one time. <laughs> <laughs> That's they, how all stories should start. Yeah, they, <laughs> they were, I, I think they stole it. I really do because there were six cops and I fought like a mother. And they were kind of pissed that I fought them and resisted arrest and all that. So my boots were gone and my buckle was gone. Mm. So some cop in Gardnerville, but fuck Nevada, has got one of my championship buckles. <laughs> I've got, I lost my buckle. Uh, I let, lent it to Andrew Ladd to wear out to the night at the bar one night. And what? I lost my 1988, uh, World champion stampede buckle. Mutton oh, that's in some girl's house. Oh no, shit! That's awesome. You were the same. I rode in the stampede in, uh, uh, I think it was '87. Yeah, it was, I think mine was '88 or '89. Yeah, I think it was '89. I was three years old. So well, uh, yeah, '89 world champion. I was. I was. Here's a funny story. So uh, the Calgary Stampede's on, and I rode uh, bareback horse there, and the Calgary Herald. Uh, took a picture and I'm freaking launched in the air and, and it says Washington Capitals goaltender uh, something something at the Calgary stamp you know yeah. and so you know this is back before cell phones back before uh, uh, internet and all that so American press or Canadian press or whatever it went out yeah and so yeah. I get I'm at the I'm at the rodeo grounds and the only way to get a hold of me is called a rodeo office. And so I get a message from the secretary says, Clint, you got to call David Poyle, who was our GM in, in, in Washington. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, I've been traded or whatever. There's no way I think that he, you know, knew I was in the Calgary stampede. <laughs> yeah. And sure as shit, he says, Clint, you're blah, blah, blah. I saw this on, cause it got into the Washington paper. Uh-huh. Gave you shit for it for through, sure. Through AP, yeah. And I said, Oh no, that wasn't me. That was my brother. That was a misprint. They did <laughs> uh Pogues, I don't know if you remember the Canucks and Calgary game a couple years back. I I say a couple years back, but it's probably ten years back. Uh there was a brawl in between the tunnel as John Tortorella. Uh Clint oh, actually ran- ten years ago. Ten years ago now, okay. Oh, so Clint uh, Clint actually Clint's the one that came down from the up top in the press box, come down through the dressing room, and he was going at Tortorella, but um, McGratton got in his way. That was, uh, 20, that was 2013 or 2014. Wasn't that okay. long ago? Get your facts you didn't straight. Even give him one, huh? <laughs> Sorry, you told me that you about get him half an hour one. ago. No, and Torts is a friend of mine. And I told, I told the story to these guys. I said, Torts would have been so disappointed had I not shown up because he knew I was a scrapper and – and yeah, yeah. Uh, and Torch and I used to work out all the time in Buffalo. He was assistant coach, and we were always in the gym after everybody had gone, and uh, we got to know each other real well. Yeah, he loves that fire, though. That's, oh, that's yeah. one thing about him, right? If you if you can push back a little bit with a little fire, he he respects that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He 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 uh, he changed his stance on the uh, on the um, you know that if if a player sits on the bench during the national anthem. Mm-hmm. Because he came out public saying, hey, if a player sits on the bench for the national anthem, he's going to sit on the bench the whole game. I don't care who he is. 
And he just yeah, yeah. just a couple of days ago said he kind of changed his his. But his son is a uh, is an army ranger, like special force oh. guy. Oh wow! Oh yeah, so he's got a lot of respect, and he's American. Yeah, he's yeah. Lot, I have all the respect for it too. I I, I get it. Uh, I get everything that's going on. Um, but there's, it's when it's not about that, and it's about something else. Yeah, it's it's a touchy touchy subject. Yeah, we don't want to get into I always, the I'll always stand up, but I'll believe in I'll believe in things. But uh, yeah, we don't want to always... get into the politics around here because then that just means yeah. I gotta watch what I say and. <laughs> I'm not very. I'm not very good at watching what I say. So yeah, it's it's Martian, hard. Stand up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's only five foot tall. He's literally Martian. Look at him. <laughs> hey, Clint, my money would have been on you for sure, man. I think you would have hit him with that right hook, and Tortorella would have went down. No, you know what? Torts had huge arms. <laughs> huge. I mean, he. Uh, we'd work out all the time, and. I think all he did was curls. <laughs> Small hands, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too heavy hands. to lift. Yeah, he. he I'll he, always look at the fighters' hands before I'll fight. You know, like they got big, big hands that are cut up. That's a guy that punches a lot. Here's my next question. Stuff. Then here's my next question for both of you guys. Since we're still recording here, either of you guys been in a hockey fight, goalie fight? <laughs> Checko, I think, uh, think Clint has. <laughs> Google Malarchuk versus Gamble. Okay. Troy Gamble. Oh, Troy Gamble. My boy, my Vancouver That's, boy. Oh, he's a great guy, and I, I hated beating the shit out of him, but he kept his block, <laughs> but he kept his blocker on, and that pissed me off. Yeah, what you can't person. do that. I, you can't throw a right. Yeah, only have to throw left, so you're going to keep your gloves on. Yeah, he, he kept his blocker on. And, I, and, I fought uh, Joe Vitale. Oh, okay, okay. Hey, I was I trying to go it. for Robert Bertuzzo, but Joe Vitale stepped in. Yeah. Um, Tiger Williams I fought twice. Mark Hunter fought. Oh, Tiger uh, Williams? Holy shit. That's a Vancouver guy. Yeah, I know. That's why I told you. <laughs> and ti and ti the funny thing is, Tiger's a good friend, too. I, I would fucking – I would love to have Tiger on. That guy's got more stories than anybody. He's like a Brad May of uh, that era, for sure. I could probably get you Tiger's info. Uh, Dean Kennedy, my buddy that I keep in touch with, him and Tiger are best friends. I would love to do that too on our show. He's a legend in Vancouver. Uh, uh, we were in the minors, and I was playing with Fredericton in the American League, and Tiger was with the Adirondack Red Wings. And uh, so Tiger, you know, being Tiger, he's right in my crease, and that was back in the day they could do that, but you you were allowed to hack and whack, and you know. Yeah. And so I'm I'm chopping the shit out of his ankle and everything, and we kind of had a few words, and I said, "Fuck you, you want to go?" And the play went down to the other end. So the play goes down. The whistle blows. He skates all the way back slowly. <laughs> and he goes, did you say you want to go? And I said, yeah, let's fucking go, Tiger. And, and I said, give me a second. And I took my mask off, my gloves off, put them all on the net. And, uh, you know, like he let me do it. Like, it wasn't like he yeah, jumped yeah. me or anything. I put it, it was like a production of slap <laughs> All my shit on the net, at, on the top of the net, and then we just went at her. It was funny. I've always wanted that. I've always wanted to be like, I'm never going to jump you or skate down the ice because that is, I'm going to get in shit for that. But if you jump me, it's game on. I look like the so, good guy. Here's another story. Um, I was playing with Quebec, and uh, we had this guy, J.F. Sauvé. His, his brother was uh, Bob, the goalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Buffalo. So, uh, 
somebody kind of was giving the whistle blew. I was going to the bench for a delayed penalty and the whistle blew and this guy's roughing up JF. And so I'm going back and I, I got in there and it ends up kind of like a, a line brawl, but, and Brad Park was coaching Detroit and he told Mark LaForce, old trees, a good friend of mine too. The Philly goalie, right? Yep. He was. And he was yelling at Mark to go down there and, and, you know, fight me. And I fed that poor son of a bitch so bad. <laughs> um, so, but what's funny is, so I'm in Buffalo and I was going through a lot of my mental illness and my play and everything. I was on Medicaid. So anyways, I hadn't played in a while. So they sent me to Rochester to play a couple games. And uh, awesome. the, the first game, 